Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. It's the Fight Fan with Pete Hoffman time. Y'all must have forgot why we the best. People say the punches weren't really necessary. What do you mean why were they not necessary? Because he was already knocked out at that point. But the referee hadn't pulled me off. And my job is to hit somebody till the referee pulls me off. So to those people, I would say maybe don't watch him and then go back to soccer. You know, I made history here tonight. I set another record. It's my name in history one more time. WFAN and Odyssey.com. You guys caught me under under a bad bad time, but you know what I'm saying? The rock's cool. I like ballers. I like ballers. You know what I'm saying? But he picked the wrong side. He picked another side so he could get it too. He could get his ass whipped too. Straight up. With all due respect, he could get it too. I definitely wanna defend my 145 about. And like see, I'm gonna talk to Dana. Dana, tomorrow I'm gonna call you. We're gonna have a talk. I love you, boy. Here's your Fight Fan host, Pete Hoffman. This is the Fight Fan with your host, Pete Hoffman. Follow me at the HoffWFAN, at FightFanWFAN on Twitter, at the Fight Fan with Pete Hoffman on all of the social media. That's YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, WFAN.com, and of course, the Odyssey app. This week, we will be joined by Brendan Fitzgerald, you see him on the UFC Fight Desk. You see him for fight nights at the Apex Center doing the um, play-by-play commentary. He joins us. We talk about this past year without fans being so close to the cage, the way that the fighters have fought. And then we also talk about some upcoming fights, but also this past weekend with fans in the crowd, the excitement that is now back in the cage and in the arenas and fur fights. So, Brendan, a fantastic interview. We get into a lot of stuff, so it's really cool. Um, also, we will have Gina Mazzani. She joins us a little bit later. She's on the UFC 262 card. She's on the prelims. And we kind of get into everything with her as well. You know, her relationship with Tim Elliott, just fighting with no fans and all that other stuff and more. And just... Um, just really cool conversation. That will be a little bit later. But there's been like, this has been like a crazy week for MMA news. Um, you know, PFL's back. Bellator's back. We got an interesting boxing fight this weekend with um, Andy Ruiz Jr. He's back. But the headlines are not the people that are back. It's the people that are leaving. All right. This is breaking um, from, uh, let's see, a couple, couple things that have kind of broke. And it's just so out of nowhere. So Aaron Bronstetter, he just tweeted out that Zabit Magomedsharipov, who was recently removed from the UFC rankings, is leaning towards retirement. 
that just is odd timing. I'm not sure if that's a if that's a play to uh, for more money. Um, you know, we saw this with Leon Edwards. We saw this with a couple other fighters that were inactive that their their rankings got pulled from them. It's just odd because Zabit, there's so there's so much to Zabit's game that we want to see. There's so many fights we want to see. Zabit is up there, you know, uh, definitely the title contender in the featherweight division. We want to see that fight with Yara Rodriguez, and now who now he's pulled from the rankings and now he's threatening retirement. It's just very interesting, and this comes off of Diego Sanchez who was supposed to fight Cowboy Cerrone, pulls out of his fight and leaves the UFC, according to some sources. It was supposed to be his final fight in his UFC career versus Cowboy Cerrone, and instead, he's gone. There's been, you know, there's always chatter with him and his trainer uh, just about how odd things are between those two and how the relationship is really, you know, what is he really training Diego? Diego's better in other camps. Diego's a very interesting creature, and this is just another interesting move, but it looks like he's done with the UFC. And then in other news, our boy Yoel Romero was supposed to fight Anthony Rumble Johnson, supposed to, but they did not clear him for his fight next week. He did not medically clear. So he is off the card with Anthony Rumble Johnson. Now, I spoke to Yoel after his Luke Rockhold fight. And I asked him, do they have the Rockhold or the Whitaker? I can't remember. But I asked him, I go, were you healthy? You had a limp. You seemed like you couldn't cut weight anymore. Where well, there was an issue there, were you healthy going into that fight? What what was there another legging injury? He just looked at me dead in the face, deadpan. I just said, "I was good, bro. I'm good." And I was like, "Okay, you got it. I get it." Yeah, he's always injured. There's always something wrong with Yoel Romero. It does not make a difference what it is. There is something up. He's his back is so stiff. There's something always wrong. But you got to let him fight. Like you, Bellator, to put that stipulation out there, to, to, to finally say, you know, to finally stop a fighter from fighting because he couldn't fit pass medical records. I mean, for Bellator to do that, ugh. Now is not the time. That's the one that you try to push to make that fight happen. Do what you got to do. Turn a blind eye. I mean, listen, obviously if the guy's, you know, a step away from death, yeah, we don't do it, but you got to have a little wiggle room here. So that that's a little disappointing, but that was the fight. Like, there's very few fights in Bellator that really get you going. That was the one. That was the one that was a no-brainer where it was like, oh, let's go. That's it. You, you did it. You nailed it. You, you have a headline. You have a fight that could headline a pay-per-view event. It, it's it's that good of a fight. And you can't pass medical records. Very disappointing. But that being said, there's a lot of other things going on. Um, 
you know, hopefully they can clear it up. Hopefully they can get you all back in the cage because that would have been that would have been fantastic. We do have uh, a nice fight this weekend. Dominic Reyes versus Yuri. Ah, I'm gonna butcher his name, Prozaka. Something like that. He Yuri, all I can tell you about Yuri is we saw his fight versus Ozdemir. He's very unorthodox, his approach. He's very odd looking in the cage, but when he lands, he crushes. So for all that, that should be a fun fight. Don Reyes getting back in the cage. It is his first fight since the Jan Blachowicz loss. He's coming back back to back losses. Think about that. The John Jones and the Blachowicz. But the Jones, he looked really good. And we'll we'll get into that too with uh Brennan Fitzgerald in a little bit. Um there's also the Jiga uh Chikese fight versus Cub Swanson should be fun. Ian Kudalaba versus Dustin Jacoby. Our boy Marab Davashvili's on the card too. It's a pretty good fight night for the UFC. It's uh starts at 7 p.m. at the Apex Center on ESPN2. And uh 10 o'clock is the main event. Main card starts. So yeah, UFC is very smart with uh, how they how they uh, put things out. Even in a weekend with Andy Ruiz Jr. fighting, they still figure out a good free card to put out there. Uh, so listen, let's get to it though. We have a lot of uh, we have a couple good guests. Want to get to them? Let's first start with Brendan Fitzgerald, who. Again, you can find him on UFC, on TV, commentating on these fight nights. You could also see him on the desk, uh, sometimes also as well on ESPN, ESPN+. Here he is, Brennan Fitzgerald. This is The Fight Fan with your host, Pete Hoffman, and I am joined right now by a very special guest, Brennan Fitzgerald. I've been trying to get this guy on forever, but he's just very busy. It's tough to get a hold of him. Uh, no. You can you you watch him on UFC, do play-by-play, uh, -play, but he's also on the desk as well. Welcome to the show, Brendan. Appreciate it. Thanks, Pete. Love the energy, and uh, it's, it's not as much that I'm so busy. It's that I'm always home, right? Oh, Pandemic. Okay always home so it's like the family all the to-do list at home never gets shorter and uh you know if we're traveling all over the world and all over the country then i have downtime at the hotel you know but the pandemic for everybody's working at home so everyone has that home and work thing all melded into one so uh, uh but i'm happy to be with you man let's do I, it i respect it i understand that because i haven't filmed myself so it's like yeah. and now we have a dog too so now that's just uh, another element of just like more to-do list more to-do list i don't it. want it i want to get out of the uh, out of the house into the office so how how has it been though for you specifically because the pandemic we understand what's going on you know but the fact that you are home so much now the fans are starting to pick up. Now you're able to go travel yeah. a bit more. Are, what, what is your How is your schedule changing? So mine hasn't. You know, obviously last year, March, the world gets turned upside down and now we're back home um, all the time. I went to Jacksonville last year um, and then I went to Fight Island in September, October for two weeks. But other than that, I've been all at the Apex and our fight night events are going to continue to be at the Apex for the foreseeable future. Um, I don't know. I really don't have any details on when the fight night events, when we'll be back full schedule on the road. Obviously right now it's once per month. It's the pay-per-views and I don't have to travel for those. So I wasn't in Jacksonville last week. I won't be in Houston. Um, obviously July Conor McGregor, 
Dustin Poirier is here in Vegas. So maybe I'll be able to play a part in that, but that wouldn't involve travel. Um, so right now it's like, it's still a holding pattern for me. I'm glad things seem to be opening up and that fans are coming back. That was amazing watching last week in Jacksonville it was just a breath of fresh air to have a soundtrack to it with the crowd and the energy. You could tell that it rubbed off on the fighters. So that's amazing. And just fingers crossed that we continue to go in that direction. And then, uh, you know, back to whatever our normal is uh, going forward. But I know that we'll be back on the road um, if all goes to plan sometime in 2021. Listen, I'm looking forward to it. I, I you know, in New York, we have like 33% capacity right now, but yeah. still not a lot of people. I know Dana has been on record saying, I'm not leaving the apex until I could fill out every place that we go to. So I yeah. respect that because you do see the difference. I mean, this past week in this card, you saw, you saw the change. I don't, was it a change in energy from the fighters? Because I, I said this too. I was like, I'm watching these fights when we first started a pandemic. And I'm like, I don't care. I'll watch with nobody. It, yeah. I just want to watch sports. I want to watch fights. And then you saw this past week and you go, uh, all right, we need fans back. Cause it was yeah, just amazing. I mean, how many other straw weight matchups that are the first fight of the night, a Dude. one, two and drops the, <laughs> drops the other one. Like that doesn't happen in the straw weight division very often, especially not that quick into the fight and like a quick one, two, and then they're rolling on the ground. It's like, I think what you saw, I mean, I think what you saw absolutely rubbed off. And then the other thing is too, it wasn't just like the fans are back. We're back to normal. That was that was 14 months of pent up energy from fans that hadn't been able to go to an event. So rarely also do you get the first fighter walking out of the night and that kind of ovation, you know what I mean? Right, so, yeah. you know, just start to finish the fans were ready to ready to provide the energy and the, and the fighters were ready to soak it up. It was amazing. So you, you mentioned the Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor fight pay-per-view that's supposed to happen because now right. on Twitter, unless I miss something like Conor's like pulling out, I need a new opponent. And then you have seen like within like 30 minutes of like, Hey, this is official now. Yeah. yeah. So, so it, with that being said, first of all, it is going to be of um, full capacity. Is that what the plan is? Yeah, Las Vegas and uh, Nevada as a state, as I understand it, will open without restrictions starting June 1st. That fight is scheduled for July 10th, um, but they, I don't think they wanted to rush to the pay-per-view. They, they always want that you know International Fight Week July big car the week after or around 4th of July. So that's when that's going to be. But as far as I know, you'll be able to walk into a casino after June 1st without restrictions, without a mask, whatever. I don't know what the individual companies are going to do obviously it's a private business if the mgm grand says you need to wear a mask in our casino but it won't be a state law so that's starting june 1st so you know we'll see as as more states kind of tick that box of opening without restrictions um then you'll find you know the ufc will be a possibility to go there that's amazing. That's that's awesome. And again, like I feel like Dana is just like always a, ahead of it. You know what I mean? He's always right. trying to push the envelope, which is good because in my industry, your industry specifically too, like we need sports. We need to be back to whatever the new normal is even. Um, but today, you guys, UFC went public, which is, yeah. is – tell me how that impacts – the company or you yeah. in particular? I mean, I don't know, honestly, like I'm no financial guru, but um, you me know, neither. That's why I, I know it enough to know that like, all right, now we're, we're answering to more people, you know, you're answering to shareholders, you're answering to earnings calls. All of a sudden your information has to be a little bit more public, but that's, you know, that on the Endeavor scale of things. So it's not like the UFC went public, Endeavor went, Endeavor public. went public. The UFC is one of the biggest, um, you know, things in their portfolio or the under their umbrella. 
Um, but I don't know, you know, that's interesting how it will affect. I, I asked my wife the same thing because she's more financial versed than I am. And I'm just like, so how's that going to affect us? And she's just like, well, you're going to have a board, you're going to have board members and you're going to have shareholders and all these earnings calls and stuff. And so it's going to be maybe a little bit more about the budget or they could take the attitude of just like, this is how we run our business. If you want to get in on it, then you can buy some shares. If not, then don't have to, you know, so we'll just have to see. I, I, I've always worked for big, big brother, big, you know, the big companies. Yeah. So I understand the, the, the lower end of things where it's like, okay, we have a budget. So I, I right. get that aspect. Of it. Well, I mean, and I've worked for smaller, you know, listen, you go into this business, you know, you talk about budgets. I mean, I've worked at TV stations where like the head photographer is just like, our cameras are broke. Like we need new cameras. And they're just like, well, you got to figure it out. It's just like, we're a TV station. <laughs> we need cameras that work to go out into the field to shoot these things that we air on the news. So, I mean, whether it's a small company or big company, budgets is always, you know, a budget is always going to be a part of it. Um, obviously, when you're at a big company, there's more to, tr there's more options to trim because you're just, you know, if, if you have all of this, then, okay, can we cut a little here? Can we cut a little here? So I don't know. I mean, I've seen that at ESPN. I've seen it at my TV station in Casper, Wyoming that I started in, you know, yeah. budget cuts will happen. And where can we trim to save a few dollars? That's just the reality of how businesses are. Well, I mean, it seems like UFC is still on the up and up and it's continue to rise. I mean, the, the Disney aspect of it was huge. In fact, as you're on ESPN plus ESPN yeah. all the time is amazing. Um, and even the, the celebrities in the crowd too. You look at this past weekend, your boy, Tom Brady. Now, how does oh, it feel? Are you, I'm assuming you're my big, guy. I'm assuming you're a big Patriot fan, right? So you have no idea how much I love Tom Brady. Uh, okay. I got the, I got the book right here. Okay. Right? Um, so I'm a Bucks fan now. Oh my! Oh, so you, okay, that's what it is now. So you were—you're just a Tom Brady fan. Doesn't make a difference. Well, Brady so was. the longest time. So I, you know, as we talked about before we went on, I'm from Cape Cod. Cape Cod guy, you know, it was Boston versus New York. Everything. I was as big of a fan as you could possibly be. And once you get into the, I don't know if this is like this for you in New York, but you're, you know, from a from a local standpoint, but. Once you get into the business a little bit more, you start meeting more of the players and coaches and the people involved. And so once you start meeting them as people, I say this all the time, you, your, your allegiance to the teams gets less and less. Anyways, this is my experience. Like, like, I don't hate the Yankees like I used to hate the Yankees. Now, part of that is that the Red Sox have done a whole lot of winning. You know, when I'm right. in high school, I, you know, I graduated high school in 2001. I mean, that's misery right there, right? We hadn't won forever. We'd win, a, we'd win a divisional round, and then we'd lose to the Yankees. You know, we'd, we'd have those teams, oh, man, this, this is it. Pedro's going to get us there, whatever. And, you know, for the longest time, we just got stomped on once we run into the Yankees. So that, you know, on the cusp of that for so long, just, just build your fandom. But, you know, you win in 04, 07, then 13. Then they've won it in these intervals where it's just like, okay, they'll probably win it again soon. We got enough money. We're spending it, whatever. Um so with that, and then the other part of getting into the business is meeting people, you start gravitating towards the people that you like and whatever teams that they might coach or play for. And so um, I just was always a big Tom Brady fan because he did a lot of winning. And then as I've grown up, I've, I've kind of, what's important to me is kind of what's important to him, you know, like how healthy you are, what your mindset is, um, you know, dismissing people that are going to talk negatively about you or about other things. Like it's, it's all within your control. And then, so I'm just like a Tom Brady guy. And so I was hoping he was going to come to the Raiders, 
in Vegas right, yeah. because there was rumor. And I was just like, wouldn't that match up perfectly? But <laughs> man, uh, yeah, I was like a closet Bucks fan this year. And I'm, you know, just hope he wins the Super Bowl wherever he goes until he's done playing. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. No, I, I, I do get that because, again, like I, as you interview fighters, I'm close with every, everything. Like, again, we're, I'm more baseball. First of all, I'm a Mets yeah. fan. So I, yeah. I'm just like. I can't stand anybody right now. I just yeah. I want to win a World Series for crying out loud. Right, right. Um, but as I've interviewed fighters and I watch them fight, like the mixed emotions. I don't know how you are because you're actually commentating, so you're doing play by play. You got to sit there and try to hold reel it in. Right. But when you see someone that you are close with, and either they get a knockout win or submit somebody, or this the role reversal, and they got not get knocked out cold. Like the Chris Weidman injury really sucked yeah. this past weekend. Yeah, Frankie Edgar's got knocked out, and I that that hit me hard. I've interviewed him mm-hmm. plenty of times. I lo- love the dude. So that type of thing, like when I watch that, that hurts me. How does it affect you as you're actually doing the play by play? You know, it's surprisingly, you know, it's surprisingly not. I don't want to call it easy, but it's like when you're calling the fight. To me, there's no other option than to call it straight down the line. You know, like I called. You know, probably the biggest example of it is when I called Paul Felder fighting against uh, RDA. You know, it was like it was just what a storyline for Paul to step in on a week's notice to make the weight, whatever. And I was, you know, chatted with him a bit during the week, and then at weigh-ins, like he was really not feeling it because of the type of cut he had to do, and. Um, so to be so proud of him just to be able to be in that position to take that opportunity. And then obviously like, it's good for him if he wins and it was all set up for him and RDA is a great guy with nothing wrong with him, but I just, I've called several of his fights. He's always respectful, you know? Um, but you know, I'm friends with Paul. Um, but at the same time, it's just like, you just got to call it down the line. Like I couldn't sit there and, you know, root for Paul on the broadcast. I think what it is is like, you make the calls that are appropriate for the moment and you just inside, you feel so good. If it happens, if you, if somebody that you really kind of like and are connected with and whatever gets a big win, you're just so happy for them. But I don't think it comes out any differently. Dan Ige knocked out Gavin Tucker. And I like Gavin Tucker too. Nice guy, but he's just, Dan Ige lives in Vegas. Um, his wife is from the same street in Hawaii that my wife grew up on. It's oh, wow. crazy. So like we have this, and so I'm just buddies with Ige a little bit. And, uh, you know, for him to get a one and done like bonus winning knockout right before he's ready to become a dad, it's just, that was so cool. I'm so happy for him. But at the same time, like I'm going to have that reaction no matter what, if Gavin Tucker won and done Dan Ige, like, wow, a, tw- a 20 second flash knockout like that, that's something to get excited over. And so you just have to kind of live in that moment. And, uh, it hasn't been an issue for me. I, I, on the other hand, have to sit there and like sulks, like it just soaks in. It's like, yeah, I, I'm like boys with um, someone who's very tight with Steve Miocic. So, uh-huh. not saying I was rooting for either because I've actually met Francis Ngano. He's a sweet dude. Like, he held my son in his yeah. hand. He's like a nice yeah. guy. So, I wasn't upset that he won, but that extra hammer fist as he's coming down. Oh, on man. Steve I know. And I'm like, no. And I'm like dying inside of my wife's like, yeah, Francis. I'm like, it's, <laughs> you're just so torn by that. But it's, it's, it is, it is, this is the one sport that there's no forgiving. Like, you know, you can right. go the next day. I talked to a lot of baseball players. The next day, they just go back up to the plate and and, and try and get a base hit. Or yeah. if you're a pitcher, try to go for, you know, have just recover for the next day. In this, like, you know, you're taking six months off, a year off or whatever, depending on how bad you got hurt, you know? Yeah. I, I think that's – it's part of what makes it okay is that you know that they're not fighting the next week. You know, Eric Anders is on record saying MMA is, is easier on the body than football. Um, I've heard that, yeah. He, you know, he's just like – 
you know, football, there's a game next Sunday, you know, you get your bell rung, you get a concussion, whatever. And now they have the concussion protocols, but it's just like, you know, you get, they want to get back on the field. The players want to back on the field. I'm convinced Julian Edelman would have been out if it wasn't the Super Bowl against the Seahawks. That guy was taking crazy hits and he was just like scored a touchdown later on the drive, you know? Um, but you know, in MMA that, you know, you take a month off from even going into the gym or sparring or whatever. And then you take six months, eight months, two years, a year and a half before you get back in there in real fight action. But it is tough, you know, like, like Weidman's injury. It's just like those injuries, nah, those injuries really happen in MMA too. That's the other thing. You know what I mean? It's like, that's a freak thing. It happened in NCAA tournament a few years oh, ago yeah. to that guy in Louisville. And it's like, it happened to Alex Smith in football. So those things just happen, but it's, it's very rarely that visceral, you know, the hammer fist from Mosfidal to Ben Aspirin, the, you know, it's just, it's like, whoa, but then they pop up and they're, they're like, I'm good. You know, I this don't know. It's crazy. It's a dude. crazy game that they play, but uh, man, is it fun to watch and, and cover. Do you actually train at all? MMA? Uh, so, like that? Or? Yeah, I did. I started doing jujitsu in uh, September of 2019. When I moved out to Vegas um, to work for the UFC in 2017, I guess in the summer of 2018, I went to a Muay Thai class at Syndicate, um, tried it out, and it was fun. Like, it was cool trying to fit into the schedule, when to go to the gym in between, like, going to the airport, traveling, mm -hmm. trying to um, get time at home. So I did it a little bit, and then mostly I just wanted to work out on the bag, though, because then I, I didn't really know my way around the gym yet. I liked it, but if you're just in a class and you get popped in the mouth, like, I didn't want to get a black eye. You know what right. I mean? Like, I can't get a black eye. I can't get a tooth knocked out. Like. You got you a pretty know, face, man. You can't, you can't right, I just, I got to keep the face intact. It's what's making me money just in a little bit. And so I didn't want to do as much of the striking. And then, so a year later, Eric Nixick at extreme couture invited me in there. And he was just like, Hey man, if you ever want to take a class, you're on to train, help your job, learn, whatever, be my guest, come on in. And now I've become like friends with Nixick. It's great. Um, so I did, I, I took him up on that. I started doing jujitsu in September of 2019 and loved it and you know on the road there's always like workout rooms for the fighters in the hotel so rolled with john gooden a little bit and dan hardy when we were overseas and joe lozon and some of the guys from boston and stuff like that that i formed a, formed a partnership with so that's really cool too and then pandemic happens i haven't really done it since uh like february of last year and i'm definitely gonna do it and go back to class but it's just like i'm not there yet i don't want to risk you know, if I, if I test positive on a fight week that I'm supposed to call, they got to, what are they going to do? They're going to call Anik and try to get him out from Florida that day of the show or day, you know, so I don't really don't want to disrupt our broadcast plans right now. My jujitsu career is not that important in, in, <laughs> in relation to that. So, but not, uh, you know, make no mistake as things open up and as, as everyone starts feeling better about where this thing is, I'm definitely going to get back in there and do jujitsu. And I'll probably expand into striking again a little bit more now that I, um, people kind of a little bit know who I am in extreme in these MMA gyms. And I'll just be like, Hey, can you not like knock me? Like, but let's do some technique. Then absolutely. I want to do it more. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel like the gyms are very respectful. All these fighters are so respectful. Yeah, that they really are. Um, the vaccines near you is, is that a thing? Cause right now I'm fully vaccinated. Um, um, I've been vaccinated for a couple of months now. Is it difficult? Are you looking to get it if, or has it come your way yet? I don't have it. It's pretty available here. Um, I've just not there, you know, I'm just, I haven't had it, but it's, it's my own personal preference. And, uh, you know, we'll see, like I said, I'm still at home. So the conversation right. changes if I have to jump on a plane every week, but by and large, like anytime I'm going to work, I'm tested. And other than that, I'm staying home with the family and doing we have what we have to do. Um, 
to to be comfortable with what we're doing. But yeah, I mean, the vaccine in Nevada is, I think anybody over 16 can get it. Uh, most of the people that I know that want it, have it. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, that's a, to me, it's a great sign. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Like to just, if you want it, have it. If not, then that's your preference on, on what's going on. And then, you know, we'll just, hopefully this thing keeps mitigating. Yeah. I always say whatever makes you feel comfortable. And right. as you can tell in Florida, everyone felt very comfortable where they didn't have to wear masks. <laughs> I know that's, you know, it's crazy. Like I wouldn't, you know, it's, it's so not, it. Hey, but it, it looks, it looks nice though on TV. I'm like, it's, oh, it's amazing. That, that amazing to watch that, that day that I'm going to be there soon. That day's going right. to happen for everybody. It's going to happen. It's coming. Yeah. Um, but this weekend we have a huge car coming up, dude. I, I love the fact that you just keep on banging out shows every weekend. Like there's never really, mm-hmm. there's very few off weekends for the UFC. That's when why there like, is an dude. off week. It feels like forever. Oh my God. When didn't we just have an off week? Uh, there was April. one. Yeah. April, yeah. Uh, April 3rd. I think we were off. Yeah. And that felt, it felt awful. It's a, yeah. I, it it was feels, miserable. I don't know. It do does. It, 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 <laughs> I remember when I started in 2018 or not when I started, but two years ago and we had, they had like an August 4th card. I want to say it was DC and Stipe one, maybe. Um, and then it was like three weeks or it was like two straight weekends off, which almost never happens. But uh, yeah, man, no, it's we're banging out shows. We're staying busy. I think we're supposed to have 44 events this year. That's and, amazing. Uh, yeah. And then you have the ultimate fighter coming back and you have yeah. the contender series still happening. Yeah. And just, it's just, you guys are just a machine right now. I love it. But Dominic Reyes, and I'm not going to screw up his name, but Yuri, who is one yeah. of the craziest, uh, the last fight where he knocked out uh, Overeem. Ozemir. Not, not Ozemir, sorry. Ozemir, oh, yeah, yeah. Ozemir. And I'm just sitting there watching that fight. We're watching it at my brother-in-law's house. And we're just like, what is this guy doing? It just seems so awkward. And everything mm-hmm. about him is just so different, but he's a scary dude. Tell yeah. me about this, this Dom Reyes fight with Yuri. Yeah, so Yuri Prohaska and Dom Reyes. So, um, yeah, man, Yuri's a hyped guy. You know, he's he's new in the UFC and he's still pretty young, but he's got like 32 pro fights or 30 fights or something like that, uh, champion overseas and uh, risen. And, um, you know, it was funny. We were talking to him yesterday, like via Zoom chat, and he was like, yeah, I, I, I was – a little wild in that first, he's just like that first round, but that's, I had, to, I have to fix that. Cause if I'm going to compete at the top in the UFC, I can't go in there hands down and, and all crazy. Uh, I know I'm up against a guy in Dom Reyes who make me pay for that. So, you know, really wants to evolve, but he is his own guy. You know, he is very different. Did you see him at media day? He has his head shaved and he has like a ponytail sticking up the back. <laughs> We're like, is that going to be, and that's like a Muay Thai traditional, you know, kind of war haircut, whatever. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, I'm going to have this with a fight. It won't have a red ribbon in it, but I'll have it for the fight. So he, he looks the part. He's just a mountain of a guy, uh, really slick, really powerful, obviously. And the interesting thing with Dom Reyes, like he was, I was over on fight Island for that fight. I was doing the, the pre-fight and the post-fight show for that pay-per-view when he fought Jan Bohovic. And so I was in the fighter meetings when he was talking to the broadcast team and uh, Dom, we were kind of sensed that something was off with Dom a couple a couple of days before that fight. And uh, he kind of told us as much yesterday. Like, he was just like, I wasn't myself. I was focused on, like, I have to put a stamp on it. I have to get a knockout win. I have to get a bonus win. I have to take the belt. The judges didn't give it to me against John Jones. Like, he had a um, – his brother was in his corner. He said he kind of 
Dom didn't take any personal responsibility for the experience and the knowledge that he had. He just turned it all over to his brother. And he just, I don't know, he just felt like he, that wasn't him. You know, he's like, that wasn't me. That wasn't me in that title fight. And so I really needed to go home, get my stuff together, kind of adjust my coaching, adjust like my, the belief in myself, my mindset, what I need to do to win, which is just to, you know, don't chase the knockout. You know, we hear it all the time. Like, you know, in golf, you tee it up, you try to hit as far as you can, you're going to slice it into the woods. If you just have a nice, easy swing, you're going to, you know, drill it down the fairway. So I think with fighters, it's really tough to try to pull back on that and, and let your technique speak for itself, but that's what Dom's looking to do. So um very interested to see the bounce back. Uh, it's funny because I, you see Dom, he knocked out Weidman. He had a very, like the, the performance versus John Jones, you look at that fight and it's just like, oh, wow, he's, he's on that level. Yeah. And and then you see how Jan handled him and you're saying that you know there was just it wasn't the normal typical fight for Dom. Is that after watching that fight between uh Reyes and Blahovich, is there a, is there a possibility that John Jones is like I'm just going to move up in weight class cuz I just don't want to f- deal with Blahovich. Is that even a know. possibility? I don't think so. I mean, I, I think you'd get laughed out of the room by a lot of people thinking John Jones was scared of Dom Reyes and Jan Blahovich. Um you know, the Vegas line on Don, uh, John Jones against Jan Bohovich, the Vegas line still puts Jones, I would say, minus three, minus 400. You know what I mean? Right. Um, you know, and then Dom, it was a close fight. I, I, I wonder with Jones sometimes, did he think he was so above a level? Did he under, did, you know, cruise control, What you know, whatever. He's always done enough to win the fight, but right. he hasn't really made a, made a statement. So I wonder if moving up to heavyweight is just like, okay, a new challenge, like new a new motivating factor to get me going for a long time for Jones. I feel like that was DC, you know, making sure DC didn't get the belt or didn't keep it, you know? And so if you have these guys that you just think you're levels above that don't, um, you know, get your motor going, then maybe it was time to be like, well, Francis Ngannou will make me motivated, you know, if that fight happens. And and just the challenges up at heavyweight, like Derek Lewis, you can't take a punch from Derek Lewis and live to tell about it, you know, um, if, if you take it clean. So, you know, maybe that's the, the reason to move up. I don't know where he's at financially and, and what, what's going to happen with all that stuff, but hopefully we see him at heavyweight because I think that's a lot of that's a Dad, thing a lot of people want to see. Dad, I said this when 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 Francis won, I, I put it out there. I said that Francis versus John Jones will be the highest rated pay-per-view of all time for UFC. But yeah, no, no doubt about it. Yeah, very, very realistic possibility. I mean, very realistic. It's it's easy to see why it's it's not only two big stars, it's, it's heavyweights. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's the new guy who delivered against Stipe against the, the time tested greatest of all time. Uh, I think you're on the right track there. I think it's very easy to see that. Plus with how the pot, the sports popularity has grown, even since Connor fought Habib the first time, you know, that mm-hmm. was the biggest fight in MMA history. When that happened, we're, we're two years removed from that. And we're an ESPN deal removed from that. So yeah. uh, that, that matters. You talked about how going moving up in, in heavyweight, you know, you can't take punches from from guys. You know, it's just yeah. you, you, there's, there's no wiggle room. These guys are killers. But Kamaru Usman, what he did to Jorge Masvidal, mm-hmm. did you? I never saw that coming. I never saw Masvidal being knocked out. Did you? Right. Was that even in the back of your head that that could happen? I mean, no. I I was shocked by that. I was shocked. I guess I didn't really. Um, picture the way that fight was going to go. I never really um, allowed myself to get ahead of it and be like, this is the fight we're probably going to see. I hoped for a good one. 
And I hope that it was going to be a lot more exciting than the first rendition, which um, it of course was. And uh, you know, when you, when you factor in the fact that Masvidal hadn't been finished since 2009, and then also when he was taking some punches and smiling them off, I was just like, Oh, we're, I was waiting for Masvidal to do it. I was, you know, Masvidal wasn't really landing with volume, but I was waiting for the explosion kind of like he did against Darren Till. He was kind of taking the best that Darren Till had to offer and then found his timing, found the home for that punch and and knocked him out cold. So I was just like, what? I was watching for Masvidal to explode and just some unorthodox movement that he saw that he was training and, and to, to really stun Usman because Usman's been knocked down, been knocked down by Colby. He's been knocked down by Burns. Like, it's not like he's just this bulletproof guy. Right. Um, but man, am I, uh, you know, Usman is uh, starting to become like a very, like an appointment television type of fighter. You know what I mean? Like everyone's going to love watching Masvidal all the time. Usman, when he was coming up on his way to, to the upper echelon of the division was, you know, it was a lot of wrestling. It was a lot of wrestling. It was a lot of grappling. It was a lot of ground control time. And when you think about his fight against Colby, his fight against Burns, his fight against Masvidal, this last one, like that's three of his last four have ended in emphatic finishes and great fights until then. You know, the Masvidal won one week and it was a weird circumstance. And they're fighting at eight in the morning across the world. Like, right. you know, different circumstance. But you look at three of his last four title defenses. I mean, that's that is something to be excited about because when he beat Woodley too, he held them along the fence a lot of that fight, you know? Yeah. But if, if we get more of this from Usman, man, I'm in sign me up for watching him. I watched, I remember watching the whole ultimate fighter series that the, the black zillions versus American top team. And I'm just like, I loved Hader Hassan. I love mm-hmm. Hader. I was like, Oh, this guy's a knockout specialist is great. And then Usman just simply just took him down. It was a wrestling yeah. match. And, and that's what I we've gotten out of him. So you're right. The fact that, the striking has just gotten that much better. And and Colby, surprisingly, you tell me, has Colby given him the toughest challenge? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Colby's taken him to the fifth round. Uh, obviously, Woodley took him the distance, kind of. I mean, I, I feel like Usman yeah. took Woodley the distance in that one. Um, yeah, nobody else has, has challenged Usman like Colby Covington. Nobody. I mean, I think, you know, depending on the, how the last two minutes of that fight play out, I think, you know, Kobe might win by decision. I think Kobe had three, one on a judge's scorecard, at least one of them. I think with the other two judges, it came down to that fifth round and I'd have to watch it again. Um, but I want to say when I rewatched that fifth round, I, I want to say Kobe was even a little bit busier through the first two minutes of that fifth round. You know what I mean? Obviously the big shot lands for Usman and he finished it. But I mean, if that fight goes a little bit longer and there's not this you know, as it was, which is like a back and forth slugfest with just how busy Kobe is, I think he might've got a decision. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, if that rematch happens next, that's, that's amazing. Um, obviously it sets up a monster trilogy. If Kobe gets the job done, uh, the second time around or Usman shuts down that rivalry, people got to remember about wonder boy. I think you got to remember wonder boy sitting there. He's going to fight Gilbert Burns. If wonder boy wins that fight, he could very well sit out until, Usman Covington happens root obviously for Usman to get that title shot because Usman's starting to run through the the contenders. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden, if you're number four, you might get a title shot because he might've beaten one, two, three, 
you know? So, um, you know, there's still some challenges out there for Usman. I think it's going to be fun to watch. And the welterweight division is stacked. Like, I, I mean, do you tell me which division of the UFC is not stacked? I'll, it'll yeah. be debatable. But but I've always thought that welterweight is up there with the lightweight division, with the bantamweight yeah. division. I think it just, it's just very, it's just unbelievably uh, a heavy division. So the fact that Wonderboy's been there for so long, too, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And, and you look back at those Woodley fights, a lot of people give them crap over it. But I'm like... You put two people together. They were in a chess match for two fights. I, what else do you expect out of those, those yeah. two fights, you know? Yeah, Wonder Boy is a, an interesting guy to watch, but he's, even though he might not use, like, knockout power all the time or whatever, um, he's still very compelling to watch because he's so accurate and so quick. Like, like when he fought Jeff Neal, he was kind of running through Jeff Neal. But there was still, like, this tension that you had watching all five rounds of that fight of like is this going to be the kick where he finds the sweet spot or is, is wonder boy going to get caught like he did against pettis you know like he right. was putting on a master class against pettis and then all of a sudden it was over so like the tension sits there but you need um you need somebody willing to go for it on the other side like you know woodley's title fights it's like you know when he fought damian maya like woodley was playing takedown defense against damian maya for five rounds so you know, you can't put the, all the blame on one side or the other. And I think uh, Wonder Boy at his best, like, and be, having been in that position and like a draw and like a close law whatever, I think you might get a renewed aggression out of him on his way up because if I want the belt, I'm going to have to go win it, you know? Right. So we'll see. Uh, Brendan Fitzgerald, just a few more minutes with you because I know we, we've already had a half hour. But um, what fight? In particular, are you looking forward to that's coming up? I mean, we have a pay-per-view event with Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler for the lightweight title. I mean, that's amazing. But what else? What else are you really feeling? The, the Leon Edwards versus versus yeah. Nate Diaz. Where'd that come from, dude? That's, that's outrageous. Yeah. That's that's mine. I mean, uh, yeah, that's the one I have circled. I mean, obviously, you know, anytime there's a pay-per-view, it's amazing. Uh, you know, Adesanya and Vittoria, I think, is going to be interesting as well. But I I really think that. The Nate Diaz, Leon Edwards, like five round co-main special edition. Nate Diaz doesn't fight enough to not be excited about. Uh, you know, uh, um, try to not to use a double negative here, but like, <laughs> like, like when Nate Diaz fights, you have to enjoy all of the aspects of it. You have to enjoy all of the media that he does, all of the embeddeds, all of the press conferences, the walk. You have to enjoy everything about a Nate Diaz fight because he might be gone for another three years. Right. <laughs> that's that's kind of how I feel about Nate Diaz. He, he is so like raw and authentic that it's fun to watch. You never know what he's going to say, but it's like he's smarter than a lot of people give him credit for. Uh, he's as tough as they come. And, you know, he's given us a ton of moments and, you know, as a three to one underdog against Leon Edwards. And if he wins, he's in the mix for a title shot. Uh, It's it's just, (laughs) you know, you got it. You got to really soak up all the Nate Diaz moments you can get. And think about for Leon Edwards' career, because he I mean, he's so inactive. His last fight with the, you know, the eye poke, just ending that fight early. Leon Edwards, I mean, you can say what you want. The guy has been phenomenal when he fights, but he doesn't fight often enough so people don't know him. So this is going to put him on the map one way or the other. And if he wins, this could propel him to that title shot that he's been wanting, you know? Yeah, and Leon almost never fights in the States. Like, he fought in San Antonio. That was his last fight. Uh, Looked great in it, right? But five rounds, and that was, you know, that's a lackluster event. There was, like, so many decisions on that card. It 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 wasn't something that stood out. 
Um, so to fight on a pay-per-view like that in a spotlight against a guy like Nate Diaz, like it's time, it's, it's Leon Edwards time to shine. Like he's wanted a big stage and, you know, unfortunately for him, like he had a big fight lined up and who pulled out? I forget who pulled out. Who was he supposed to fight? Oh, geez. Now I'm thinking it wasn't till it was, uh, no, I can't even remember, but Bilal had to step in. Yeah. Bilal stepped in the last minute, but it was really good the fight. fight. <laughs> Dude, there's so <laughs> much you, but, but here's you the thing is, you're, you're rocking oh, every was, week. No, I can't. I can't think of it. Oh, he was supposed to fight Chimaya. Supposed to fight Hamza Chimaya. Oh, right, exactly. Because I was thinking, who's ranked in the top five? He must have been ranked. You know, it's just like, no, he's supposed to fight Chimaya, right? And then it ends up being Bilal, and then an eye poke. So, you know, they've they've. I got I got stuff when I said hopefully Leon Edwards can get some breaks going forward because obviously he was the one who poked the guy in the eye, right? Bilal got the eye poke, so I felt bad for Bilal, and um, you know, Bilal is an awesome guy, but. I was just like, hopefully Leon can get some breaks. He's had a heck of a lot of bad luck. He was supposed to headline in London. That's a big spot as an English fighter. Like Darren Till's done it. Bisping's done it. Like that's a big thing. And the week before is the pandemic. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm happy that he has this opportunity to show what he's been talking about for a long time. Dude, the pandemic screwed up so much. I mean, I just, when they announced the Khabib Tony Ferguson fight for like the fifth time. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is something's wrong. Something's going to happen. I know. Yeah. Oh dude. It was in my backyard. I was so yeah. excited about that, but listen, Crazy. maybe one of these years, who knows? Yeah. It could be yeah. Ever comes back, but listen, Brendan, is there anything you want to promote for yourself? You've been awesome, man. I, I love having you. Oh, on. thanks Pete. Uh, great to do this, man. Uh, I have a podcast called Fitz nation. So it's long form one-on-one interviews with UFC fighters and other kind of people from our uh, world of the Megan UFC. Olivi. Megan Olivi has been on and, and coaches and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, it's long form interviews. And, and it used to be more of like a book report on their lives and let them tell some stories from their past. But it's kind of morphed into this like personal development mindset type of thing. Like I want to I still get stories from their UFC career in their younger years and stuff. But I really kind of want to delve into like who they are as people and like the mindset that they have and the challenges that they've overcome, because I think everybody can take something from that. And uh, if there's anybody who's battled adversity to achieve great things, it's fighters in the UFC. So there are so many great stories to tell and uh, happy to just try to get them out. But you can find that on YouTube and uh, you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. And other than that, look for me on TV when I'm, uh, you know, lucky enough to get the assignment to call some fights. Rock and roll. Well, listen, I love I love seeing you. You add an energy that not everyone does. Not everyone has. So <laughs> I, I appreciate that. And. And I can't wait for you to have, to be back in that element with a full crowd. Me too, man. And fights, man. Calling fights to be awesome. But Brendan, thanks, thanks so much for the time, man. We'll do this again soon, all right? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Pete. Uh, Brendan is the man, Boston guy, really cool, awesome interview. And just a great energy he brings to the fights. He's got a cool chemistry, him, Paul Felder, Lord Seiko. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's, uh, you know. Michael Bisbing, all these guys that he works with. It's just a, it's a fun energy, and, you know, you like to see it. You really do. Um, but next up, Gina Mazzani comes on. Again, we're going to get to a lot of stuff just with her, her how she trains, how she, uh, how she studies her opponents, what she thinks of this past weekend's fights with, uh, with some of the best women in the sport. Here she is, Gina Mazzani. This is the Fight Fan with your host, Pete Hoffman, and we are being joined right now by Gina Mazzani. Uh, she is fighting on the UFC 262 card, May 15th. Your, your 
opponent is Priscilla. Is that correct? Or has that changed yep. at all? Yep, okay, Priscilla. Cool. So how are you right now? How are you feeling? I don't know you're watching the PFL fights right now. How are you, you feeling pumped? I'm, I'm pretty excited. You know, the thought of being able to fight in front of fans again is really, really exciting. Um, it's something that you really don't think about uh, when you are fighting. But since I've experienced it without fans, um, and being able to have fans again is, like, very exhilarating. So well, I'm you- very you watch this weekend, obviously. You you saw the you saw the card. You saw just from the electricity from the first fight on how crazy it was. Do you think that changed the outcome of the fights over the past year? Not having fans. Uh, you know, I think if anything, it just really makes you appreciate what the fans bring to the sport to a live event. Um, it, it I feel like the fans genuinely give you more energy, and they give you. Uh, they give you a special experience, you know, whether they love you or they hate you. Uh, um, it, I, I think, I think it's been really cool on another end to be able to watch the fights without fans because we get to see fighting from all different perspectives. And a lot of fans do, they get to hear the corner better. Um, they get to hear, hear the trash talking more. They, you know what I mean? They get to hear the impact. They hear the cracks. They get, you know what I mean? So it's, it's a, it's a different it's a different experience for everyone. So, but you know, I'm not going to lie. I think it's going to be great having fans back and I prefer it that way. Yeah, no, I, I, I was saying like, a, you know, I was so happy just to get sports back after we had that month off. I mean, UFC's done a great job. You basically had just one month off during this pandemic, right. which is crazy. Dan White did a great job, but overall, like I, I just was just so happy to get sports back. I didn't care about fans. And then you just showed me this past week and I'm go. Yeah, I need fans at every single event because that was incredible. But that being said, though, like, you know, you talk about the the corners and, and the fans getting to hear what is going on. You know, unless you're cage size, you're really not hearing that stuff. What did you have to do to change, though, your, you know, with the crowd not being there? Because you don't want to just scream it out. All right, go for a hook, go for a takedown, go for this. So how did you strategize differently for no fans? Um, I mean, I feel like every team kind of has their own name for things and I personally name things different I'll, I'll be like James I want you to say this for that you know um it, I, I don't I don't I think if anything it just made cornering a little bit easier because you can hear better um <laughs> and it, it's just a little bit more I don't know it's like it's like being in the gym it's like sparring in the gym except you're just getting paid for it which is nice oh that is always good getting paid is always good yeah. So, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's, I don't think the strategy really had to change. I just think it was a, a good, for me, it was a good first time experience to really hear uh, my coaches coaching uh, since I moved to a new team and all that fun stuff. So you saw UFC 261, uh, obviously you saw the performance from Rose Namajunas. You saw Valentina Shevchenko. You know, we've seen Amanda Nunes over the, over the, the past uh, year or a couple of years now carrying both belts for the 35 and 45 divisions. You know, you see the champions right now. Which is the toughest women's division in the sport? Um, I'm going to go with the – I want to – I don't know. I want to – I'm going to say the 25 or the 15, honestly. Um, I feel like since they opened up the 25, a lot of 35ers dropped down to, dropped down to 25, including myself. Um, and then I feel like there's not – I mean, there. I mean, there's, there's not a lot of 35ers. There's just not right. anymore. There's no one forty-fivers. It's like non-existent. Yeah. So it's I, so. I mean, I think that that leaves the toughest ones: fifteeners and twenty-fivers. Do you think that you know? You see Valentina Shevchenko. You see what she did over the weekend. 
do you see any holes in the games? I mean, Jessica Andrade, we expected that fight to be, if Andrade was going to win, it was going to be by taking Valentina to the ground. And instead it was a role reversal. Valentina's just, you know, taking her to the ground. And just, again, another dominant performance. What, where, where do you see a hole in Val- Valentina's game? You know, I would never even, I don't think she has any holes per se. I, I think, I think you catch anyone slipping for the most part, but she, I always describe her performing as like perfect. Like she, she has such good eyes and she has such good movement. She has such fa- good fast twitch and everything she does is like to kill, you know? Um, I, I've, I've thought a lot about, I'm like, what, who, what is the kind of fighter that would beat Valentina? And I, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure. I feel like somebody who is, a, who has quite a, my first thought was like someone who has like quite a bit of movement and like a lot of feints and stuff. Cause she does, she, I mean, like anybody you bite on feints. I, I don't know. I, I really, I don't, I don't see a specific hole in her game. Like she's great on the ground. Her wrestling's great. Her standup is great, but uh, she's, I, I just think she's very like she, she's like her, I described it as perfect, but I think if someone were to beat her, it'd be somebody like just kind of awkward and unconventional. That's going to, maybe one day catch her but for the most part i mean she's pretty freaking good she really is do you think the uh two amanda nunes fights do you think that she edged it out but um i mean uh, the last one i still think that valentina didn't lose the fight i don't i don't i i can't say she didn't lose it did she win it i don't know toss up but i don't think she lost amanda nunes do you think that give it a third chance that that valentina could actually beat amanda nunes i you know it's hard to say because it's also too we got to remember like their bodies are developing different. Amanda's popping up to 35 and 45 and Valentina went down to 25. And so she's, you know, it, it's, she's like a little bit smaller and, and uh, Valentina's like, I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think if they went again, I think it'd be knowing Valentina. I feel like it's something she would prepare correctly for. And like, I don't think the size would be an issue, but um, she yeah, loves, she loves 25 though. When I talked to her one time, she was just like, I just love this weight class. I'm not really looking to go back to 135 anytime soon. Do you fall in love with the weight class? Is that it just easier, I guess, on your body? Um, you know, for me, I moving down to 25, I have to, I have to diet quite a bit and for quite a while to get down. Um, but it's because I love being a like I always tell, I always tell my my man, I'm like, God, I just feel so big. I feel big, even though I'm like little. Um I, uh, I think I felt, I, I, I have personally fallen in love with the 125 division because I feel like a monster, um, against, I mean, I guess I've only fought one other 25er, but like com- training with other 25ers, like I feel like a monster. So it's, uh, it, it's, I, yeah, I think it's easy to fall in love with the weight class, but I would, I would love to be able to eat more and stuff like that would make, <laughs> me but what? I love more than I love eating. So there's that. <laughs> well, that's also, yeah, that's good. See, I like eating a lot. So that's my issue. Um, but uh, you have a great, listen, you have a great core of, of t- a great team around you. I mean, Tim Elliott, I mean, you can't, I mean, just, just watching him in the cage. It's amazing. How is it being, you know, I watch from a distance. I have friends that fight kind of like, I, mean, I interview people all the time. I feel like a connection, but your partner to watch them go in the cage and, and vice versa to be there to watch, have them watch you. Is it, what's that relationship like? Is it difficult? Um, it's very, it's really, I'll describe it as it's like really something special. Like it's, 
uh, not a lot of couples get to do what we do in the sense of like, we literally get like, we work together and we get to see each other at our highest highs and our lowest lows. And we get to be there for one another. And like the best part about it is like, we both know what it feels like to be on that lowest low. And we both know what it feels like to be on the highest high. So it's like, you know, when like, if you're just dating some, you know, some normal person and they're like, Oh, it's going to be okay. You're all right. You know, you're like, fuck you. You don't know what you're talking about. You're like, you don't know what I'm going through. So it's, uh, it's really cool. And it's, it's, it's really, it's really cool to watch him like do his thing like that. That's probably my favorite thing is like when I sit in the corner, I don't, I don't say nothing. I just, this you know oh gosh oh no whoops you're okay uh, i still hear you there you go you oh there we go uh you know I, I get to watch him do his thing and all that but uh it's it's just cool to see him perform and do well and be successful and like i don't know and, and i get to watch the whole process so it's it's a very stressful but amazing really great opportunity that i wouldn't change for anything but to be honest i never wanted to date a fighter i never that was never in my plans but i also didn't think i was gonna be fighting when i was 10 years old so there's that <laughs> <laughs> listen but it, life works in mysterious ways but it works out well and again like i get that because i mean i i don't get everything because i don't have that special connection where i have like my partner doesn't fight or anything like that but I do, again, I build relationships. So I see when people, the agonies, the feet, the, the highs, it, it's got to feel amazing. Um, how about when you win? Do you, do you feel like an extra, like how is it on, on your end when, when, you, when you're victorious in the cage after your Oost, Rachel Ostovich fight? How did that feel for you with Tim and your, you know, uh, backing uh, you up? And- it's just cool because like Tim's not really the kind of, I mean, he praises me quite a bit. He's, he's very, very, very kind to me, very sweet to me. Um, but like when it comes to fighting, he's very, he's very like, um, business. Like he's, you know, like he's competed his entire life. So it's like, it's nothing like the jitters and all the, you know, the ups and downs or whatever. It's, he's just kind of used to it a little bit, but it's really cool. Like after my fight, just seeing how like happy he was for me. And I could tell he was just so proud of me, like, so, so proud of me. And so that, that is like, really, it's really cool. It's a, I feel this sounds silly, but like, I feel like sometimes he kind of, he'll be like, you know, like a fan, like he's so cute. He'll be like a fanboy. Like we go to a restaurant and I was like, oh, she found the UFC and she did this and she knocked out Rachel Ostevich and, you know, he'll like brag about me. And it's like, it's, it's really cute and annoying sometimes, but for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't we all annoying though? Jeez. I, I, I get that. Um, but that's, that's awesome. That's fantastic. I, I love to see that. It's just, it, it, I, I'm a huge advocate for, for fighters. I'm a huge advocate for everything. I, I love the UFC. I'm, I'm, a, I'm trying to build it. as I, I come from a different background. I, I'm sports talk radio, New York sports. We talk the major sports, baseball, football, hockey, basketball. But the UFC is growing. MMA is growing. Um, so I'm excited about that. And I'm really like just to see what you guys do on a regular basis. It's amazing. Besides MMA, when you guys like take a break, like, what are you to do? What, what, what do you do? Is there anything else? Is it just business all the time? Is it just focus on MMA? Just focus on training, focus on opponents. What's game plan for someone else? What, what is it? What's a normal day? No, like? We hang out. We have fun. Like uh, right now he's literally outside in the backyard, like burning stuff, like <laughs> boxes. <laughs> like, um, and I'm, I'm, I was up in my art room, like making some, like I'm, I just do a lot of like arts and crafts and I cook a lot and 
Um, we also have a six year old. Well, I'm, I'm stepmom, but we have her 90 per, 99% of the time. Um, so then that's also a big thing is like taking care of her and uh, making sure she's good and well. But uh, yeah, and we got four animals. So we hang out with them all the time. But yeah, we just like hang out and just, I mean, we don't really ever get to just like hang out and spend time with each other. We always have to do like, we're always, I feel like we're always doing something like we're always busy. Like, I don't remember the last time we were like, God, I'm bored. What should we do? Like, you know, like it's, we're always doing something, but he's burning stuff right now. <laughs> well, with, with kids, I trust me. I know kids. I, I have three, I'm a stepfather myself. So I understand that. Um, and then I also, I just got a new dog. So I don't know what type of pets you have, but I have a new dog. So that just adds too much to lot. the play. Yeah. There- what what do you, you you have dogs or what do you have we have two cats and two dogs we have a pit bull and then like a little mutt dog who's just so bad but he's so sweet <laughs> um and then two cats which are just they're they're really cool they're outdoor and they're indoor outdoor and like catch the mice and they're they're fantastic that's awesome but, yeah they, the they get along together the dogs and the cats they're all oh, right yeah. yeah they're all homies it's so cute that's <laughs> awesome <laughs> uh how did the pandemic by the way affect you guys really i mean obviously your, your careers were able to still continue. You were able to fight, but besides that, how did everybody, were you guys well adjusted? Did you guys feel comfortable? Did you, were you, did you feel like stuck in the house? How, how, what'd you guys do? So honestly, so me and Tim bought a house in Vegas, like probably a month before the pandemic hit. And so for us, it was awesome because like I said, like we're always doing something. We're always busy. And like, if we're not doing anything, we're at least training. So it's like, and if we're not in camp, we don't have a fight. We at least train once a day, at least. Um, but the gyms are all shut down in Vegas. So we literally got to hang out at home for a couple of weeks and just hang out and just like be a normal couple. And, uh, and the little one wasn't, wasn't even with us at the time. And, uh, so it was like, we actually got to hang out with like just us two. It was, it was, it was honestly like really cool. Like we just got to hang out and spend time with each other and like work on the house and like, you know, go running out, just do fun, fun outdoor activities and whatnot. But, uh, but yeah, but it's, it, it's crazy. Cause the, uh, oh, sorry guy, uh, the pandemic, the pandemic, like created a lot of opportunities for us. So it was, it was overall like pretty beneficial for us in that sense. But so we're, I'm extremely grateful and blessed that that was, we were able to get opportunities through it, but that's yeah. very awesome. Uh, Gina Bazzani, uh, you have a fight with Priscilla. I get a killer last name. I don't even bother. I'm not, I'm not that good with that yet. <laughs> I'm really I, bad. Listen, I could do American names. It's all good Italian names. I could do too. But when you, I just, there's, I don't want to be uh, disrespectful, but this is, I just can't pronounce everything. But what, what, what is your goal? I mean, have you, when you study for a fight, are you relying on your coaches? Are you relying on other people to kind of game plan for you? Or are you sitting down there? Are you watching the tape and focusing on, on how to, to face your opponent? So I used to never watch tape. Um, and then I, re- since I moved to, glory MMA with James Krause. I actually started watching tape. So, uh, I like to watch all of her fights and I like to watch the, from her first fight in the UFC to where she is now and see the, the changes she's made throughout her time. And then, uh, uh, but then for the most part, I I like seeing that because I like visualizing myself fighting her and beating her up obviously. Um, but I, I really leave all the game planning to my coach and, uh, and the nice thing, about it is he's just he's got so much like confidence in me that he just he's like oh you could beat her here you could beat her there you could do this you could do that if that doesn't work we do this like he's just got so many 
Like if plan A fails, we got plan B and we got plan C and we got D, E and F. It's crazy. Like, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it's nice. It's yeah. But I leave all the, pretty much all the game planning to him and I'm, I'm just like a video game and I just work hard. <laughs> what, what, what did you take from the, the Valentina fight with her? Did you take um, anything from that? Not, I mean, she's, she took her down and held her down. And I mean, that's my, my wrestling's like, that's my jam. So yeah. Might see that in the future. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but also, I don't know. She, Valentina's a Southpaw as am I. And, uh, she like striking from that Southpaw angle. Valentina did a really great job of it. And there's some things that I, I think I could capitalize on. Um, but yeah, it's, it, Valentina did really, really well against her, but it was yeah. kind of like, it was a good one to watch, you know? Yeah, no, I, I listen. You could take something from everything again. Like I thought, I don't know about you. I thought the fight could have stopped, get stopped earlier than that, but I mean, so be it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what What do you? How How are you with the refs and stuff like that? Like, do you feel like you watch some of these fights that sometimes the refs are 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 not are letting the fights go too far? Do you want them to stop it sooner? Where do you, Where do you Where are you on that? God, it's you know, it's so hard because it really depends. And I, and I think this is great. one thing great that the UFC does. They always pretty much use the common refs. So the refs get to know the fighters because, and I hate to be this person, but it really depends on the fighter. Like fighters like Anthony Smith, like have to get knocked around a little before he knocks someone out, you know, and it's, and you have to have, and you have to have a ref that, that just like understands that, you know what I mean? Like, um, and I always try to communicate with my refs beforehand, like, Hey, like, don't, if I'm getting hit, like, give me a second. Okay. Because I'm <laughs> that per like, you know, I, I want, I want to fight out of it, you know, but if I'm covering up, it's whatever, but it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's case by case scenario. And you just don't ever know when you're in that situation. And it's, it's just like so quick, you know, like, um, but yeah, some of them have been late recently. Um, but the, you know, then there's also the early ones and those suck just as bad. So, I mean, not just as bad, but they, they suck for the, you know, if they or suck, doesn't, that sucks. Yeah. Like, oh, that's the worst. Cause they can't do anything about it. You can't be like, okay, just kidding. Restart. So it's, um, yeah. Between, between that and the judges, it's like, I don't know which one is worse sometimes. I mean, the judges, I always, you always, you, you hate to see it. Cause you see people, you're working your ass off. You're in the, you're in the cage. You, and someone like, I can't stand the 29, 28. And then the other judges have a 30, 27 for the other person. I'm like, how did, what did you watch? Where are we at right now? What are we missing? The judging is very, it's very, very, it's very different. It's very different. Like every judge score is very different, but um, that's where fighter IQ comes in. So it's just, oh, it's nerve wracking. Don't ever leave it to, to the judges. No, no, definitely not. Uh, Gina, before we let you go, I appreciate the time. Is there anything that you want to promote? Uh, anything that you and Tim want to promote? Um. Thank you to my team, my coach, Gloria MMA and James Krause, uh, my management, Iridium Sports Agency, and Jason House. Uh, thanks to everybody. Uh, you're great. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, UFC 262, May 15th. You're, you're on the prelims. Looking forward to that. Uh, Gina Mazzani, everybody, I appreciate the time. And let's do this again soon. I appreciate it. Heck yeah. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Uh, thanks again to Gina Mazzani. Thanks again to Brenda Fitzgerald earlier. Thank you again for listening. This is the Fight Fan with WFAN. Uh, sorry, the Fight Fan with Pete Hoffman on WFAN.com. Odyssey app. At the Hoff WFAN. At the Fight Fan WFAN. 
on Twitter, at the 5th Family Pete Hoffman. Social medias, meaning Facebook, meaning YouTube, Instagram, all that stuff and more. Uh, we will have uh, picks as always this weekend. Follow, you know, follow the picks on Twitter. We will get them out there. Everybody participates. It's a lot of fun. Uh, if you have want to participate, too, send send your picks my way. Uh, but we will be back again next week. Next week, another card. The return of T.J. Dillashaw as he fights uh, Corey Sanhagen, which will be a really, really fun fight. But we will be back next week. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you guys in the fight family. Peter. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 